Hello, this is Dan Bender, executive producer of the Singles Podcasting Network. Today I'm excited to present Single Living, a podcast that brings you straight talk on everything concerning today's singles, including relationships, dating, travel, and financial security. Rich Goss is our usual host, but he's on his yearly trip to Australia putting on his singles conventions, so I'm sitting in for him today. And on today's show, our guest is Susan Bradley. She is the founder of Loving University. She's an award-winning author. Susan has been featured in Complete Woman magazine, the Discovery Channel, and Cosmo. She's also appeared on Hard Copy, 48 Hours, CNN, and Montel, and I'm sure many, many others. Hi, Susan. Hi, Dan. It's so great to be with you today. Thank you. Uh, weren't you originally a nurse? How does a nurse become a singles expert with an emphasis on flirting and teaching people how to relate to each other? You know, being a relationship expert puts me in the role of also being like a success coach, too, because I coach people in every area of their life. You can't just work with them in their relationships without looking at what are they doing for a living? Do they love what they do? And for me, I love being a nurse. It was great. And I had a mission. I had a passion. I got divorced. I went back into the singles world. That was back in 1985. And I said, wait a minute, there's got to be more than this, meaning more to dating and finding relationships. Because back then, there weren't any books for singles, weren't any books on how to flirt. It was all about married couples and no one taught anyone how to find the right person like you fall in love and the 91st day you find out that his you know his last six wives died mysteriously or her last <laughs> six husbands died mysteriously so i got frustrated because i was very shy i was you know really good writer but uh, and communicator in that way but i was afraid to talk to people it's hard to imagine you being shy I know. Isn't it amazing? I used to be so shy, I couldn't even talk to myself, which is what makes me the perfect coach with for flirting and some of my flirting safaris and things and events that I put on. But anyway, the, I just went back out into the dating scene and felt an urge to start writing about what worked and what didn't work, and I was determined to find new ways. Like One of the things that really motivated me, Dan, was that people would not answer the phone as a way of saying goodbye. And I thought, how chicken is that? Well, we're much more evolved than not answering the phone as a way of saying goodbye. Mm -hmm. So I, I came up with one of my articles was about how to say goodbye. You know, how to let someone know you just started dating, that you're not a match. Right. So there's easy ways that you can do that with, and save face and not be too mean. Yeah, I know that that's something that I know in my own uh, dating experience in the past. Uh, you know, if something didn't work out, suddenly you don't hear anything from them and you can't reach them, and it's very frustrating. I'd rather right. be hurt a little bit by finding out they're not interested than just hearing nothing. Right, I agree. So that's what that was one of my first articles, and once I started writing, people started writing me and calling me and saying, would you speak? And I had to overcome some of my shyness. Mm -hmm. I, I've been, I was so shy, really, I couldn't hardly talk in junior high, and I started communicating in, in senior high by being friendly through my eyes. I mean, I still wasn't really talking. Mm -hmm. Even in college, I was really, really shy, couldn't express my opinions. So it was a progression. The good thing is, is that I can teach anyone, no matter how shy and no matter how introverted they are, I could teach them how to overcome that fear of talking to strangers and other people and actually have fun. I could shorten the process. What took me years, I can actually you know, do in days with some people. Now, what you do that in retreats, I believe. Is that correct? 
Well, one of the things that I do is I coach people by phone and by email, mm-hmm. and then I like to have them come to one of my weekend retreats overlooking Monterey Bay in California. Mm, that's beautiful. It's great. We have a, you know half men, half women show up for a whole weekend, and we play. It's like a play shop. And during the space of playing, and we go on an undercover flirting safari. And oh, goodness. Well, tell me about that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, well, people come for the weekend, and part of it is this undercover flirting safari. You know, no one has to actually do any flirting, but sometimes it helps to observe other people flirting. Mm-hmm. And the singles also are coming to find out, well, why are they still single? What's really holding them back? Because I'll have to tell you something. I know that a lot of the reasons why singles don't flirt is because they're afraid that they might just get what they want. They might just find the right person and then get their heart you know, put through a meat grinder again. Right. Well, it happens so often. That's the unfortunate thing. Uh, It's a numbers game on the one hand, so you have to really get used to going through that rejection over and over again until you find that right person. Well, I think that there are ways to not even have it be rejection at all, and that's one of the things I help people see is that when someone is not choosing you, they're giving you an opportunity to find your true soulmate. And when you're not choosing someone else, you're letting them go to help them find their true soulmate. So I guess it's a matter of how you look at it, whether you look at it as rejection or as simply an opportunity to move on. Yeah, you know, and if you look at it as a rejection, you're definitely not going to want to go out there dating and flirting. You're not going to do that. So one of the things I teach my clients how to do is how to look at everything as an opportunity. And really not get those feelings of like, oh, he didn't want my number, or oh, he didn't call back, or she didn't, she didn't you know, give me her number. It's really not about that. I often tell people, if someone didn't give you, your, you know, a number, be thankful. You might have just dodged a speeding bullet. You know, sometimes you need to be on the catch and release program. Catch them, release them. <laughs> or, or what's the other famous one uh, next? Yeah, oh, I know it. It's in my, my first book, How to Be Irresistible to the Opposite Sex. Uh-huh. One of the things that I teach my clients to do and I've taught for so long is that sometimes you just got to be willing to say that four-letter word, the top of your lungs, you know, like really let go of the last relationship that you're still hung up on or maybe the one from many years ago. You just yell it out, next, at the top of your lungs, you know, and just get it out of your system. Then get back out there, get back on the horse, and date again. And flirting is one of the most fun, entertaining ways that you could ever, ever meet people. You know, there's a new trend, Dan. There's a new trend with singles right now where they're not wanting to meet as much through Internet dating. They're feeling like Internet dating is like too much work. They're going away from Internet dating? That's amazing. They're going away from it. They're using it as one of the options. But one of the things they're doing is learning how to meet people everywhere they go. Mm, they want to meet good. somebody. You know, that way you don't have that nervousness. You know, the person meets you by Internet. You like each other. You talk to each other on the phone. It sounds really great. And then you meet in person, and sometimes you're very disappointed. Sometimes you're related. Mm-hmm. But it's, it, it, on top, uh, it, it was a way for people to hide behind their computer for a while, and I think singles are realizing, like, I better take advantage of the opportunities around me. And that's what flirting does. It's about to take advantage of every opportunity you can get discounts, you know, <laughs> wherever you go off of things, just by flirting with someone, using what I call the repeated contact rule. What's that now? Now, the repeated contact rule is flirting three times in 45 minutes or less with the same person. Sometimes you have less time. Sometimes it's somebody right down the street, you're walking by, you never have an opportunity to see them again. Do you know, we were talking about going on an undercover flirting safari. I do them in all major cities. Uh-huh. The most, some of the most fun ones are in Chicago. I'm going to be in Chicago 
soon, and I'm there three times a year. I tag people on Michigan Avenue, sophisticated Michigan Avenue. We go, I teach them how to street flirt, how to walk <laughs> up to a complete stranger. You know, one of the most fun things is somebody's walking by with a shopping bag, and you say, oh, my birthday, you remembered. <laughs> It's amazing the reactions you get from people. It's so cute. We had one woman, she she got so encouraged by it. Not only did the guy say, it's your birthday, he started singing happy birthday to her. Then she said, well, I've always, I want a birthday dance. Will you dance with me? So she gets this complete stranger in a matter of a minute, not only stopping, singing her happy birthday, but dancing with her in front of all these people on Michigan Avenue. And I might add, he was a very good-looking guy. Now, do, do you find that there's a difference between how men tend to react to these unexpected flirtations to them versus uh, how women respond to it? Well, that's a good question. I, I want to answer it in two ways. Yes and no. <laughs> there's something about being human that all people react certain ways to complete strangers walking up to them and talking to them. And that ranges from the person pretending they didn't even hear you and notice you to being happy and play, playful with you back to out and out saying, I'm not interested. And mm-hmm. that doesn't happen as often. That's what my students realize is we're out all day playing in Marshall Fields, in a food court, in restaurants, even in Walgreens. I take them flirting in Walgreens, in the drugstore, huh. everywhere they would normally go and teach right. them how much fun life can be if you just learn how to have a little more playful spirit and not take it so personal. One of the key components is using random comments, like being okay with them. Like you walk by, you don't take a lot of their time. If you take a lot of someone's time, definitely they might, you might get a negative reaction. Uh-huh. But if you're just saying something like, hey, great color, wear that more often, they're just going to say thank you and they're going to smile and they're going to get a little jump in their step and be you know, kind of happy about that. And, and that works for men or women to say that too. One of the most outrageous flirting, which is so much fun for a woman to do with men, with a man. A, a man really couldn't do this with a woman, but a woman can do this with a man. It's men wear baseball caps a lot, hats. Uh-huh. They also wear sunglasses. You just look at them and like say, "Oh, I love your hat. I need that hat. Will you sell it to me?" And they look <laughs> at you. It's crazy, but they'll look at you, Dan, like crazy at first. Right. And, and then they'll say, "No, I'm not selling you my hat. Oh, please, I'll give you 25 bucks." 25 bucks? You can buy it over the store over there for 10 No, but I don't have time to go there, so 25 bucks. Is it usually a beat-up hat that you're looking at? or a fair, doesn't fair. matter. Whatever hat, you know. Yeah. It's just like people are guys are just, they love their hats. One guy said, I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't sell it to you. It's government issue, which is so great. Uh-huh. And but they, It's so funny because you go, $35, and they'll say, you really want this hat, don't you? And so <laughs> the, in the end, you know, you either end up buying it or not, not mostly you just let them have their hat. But then they'll walk away, they'll keep looking at their hat and looking back at you like, wow, what was it about the hat? Where did this come from? Same thing with sunglasses. You can say, whoa, great shades. I, I need a pair of shades. Will you, let me, will you sell me those? And uh-huh. they just, and guys love it. They eat it up and it gives you an opportunity to connect with them. Men are more likely to stand, uh, stay still a little bit longer uh-huh. and talk. Than women, because women are, you know, more aware of, gee, they need to be safe. They need to make sure right. their safety is, is, you know. But now if a woman's asking a man to sell their hat, uh, doesn't the man get the idea that uh, she may be buying it for a boyfriend or something like that? No. It is like they don't know whether to believe you or not. It's playful, and uh-huh. it's, just, just, it's actually just hysterical. It's one of the most fun things. Like you could stand in an airport all day and do this and never be bored. It's better than anything on your TV. 
I'll have to try that sometime. Although, let's say I was asking a woman to、uh, sell me her hat. Let's say, what would I tell her? Why I want that hat? Well, you know, normally people well sometimes they'll ask you that, but you know, I, I we've never tried it with a man asking a woman for her hat. Ah,、oh, okay. And so you can do that and report back. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay. So we just know that it works really well for women to do that with men, and it's very playful. They、mm. like that. On the other hand, the things that men can say to women is they've got to use that repeated contact rule, which is again three flirtations in 45 minutes or less with the same person. Right. And the first, you know, the first two times you're just brief, real random comments, like I said before, "Hey, I like your look," or "That color, wear it more often." It's very quick and easy, and you're not requiring your the person you're flirting with to respond back to you. That's the best part. Some most people, especially introverts, they want to get into a connected conversation. Well, you、mm-hmm. can't do that with a random comment. You want to just check it out. You want to see, you know, how this person responds to you. Mm-hmm. And then you can take it to the next step. Then you can take it to speaking and talking and and seeing how it goes. And then there's another rule that I highly recommend. It's called engage disengage.、Mm-hmm. So you're engaging the person in flirting and you disengage. You can be in a 20 minute conversation with someone, but when you're actually doing active flirting, which might make them blush, you engage. You're engaging in that, and then you have to disengage.、So、you have to change the subject.、Mm-hmm. And that's something that I teach people. Is how to you know fl- you know take the conversation all along and then engage in the flirting, then back off. You're disengaging, just enough so that person really becomes attracted to you. So it, it's playful, and I guess it also depends on the situation and how much、uh, opportunity you have to talk to them. If you're like in a supermarket, I've seen situations where you, know, you could be going in and out of、uh, aisles, and as the person is going through different aisles, you could be going into different aisles, and then you kind of run into them. Ah, we got to stop meeting this way. Is one one comment I would think that could be said. That's a cute one. That's a nice random comment to start with. Then you've got to follow it up, and that's the thing. Too many people don't follow up、mm-hmm. with their flirting. Like, there's nothing wrong with making sure you're in the same checkout lane. Then、mm-hmm. you have another opportunity to talk. Sure. What would you say is the biggest mistake you see singles making when it comes to relating to the opposite sex or trying to meet somebody or date somebody as such? You know, I think one of the biggest mistakes is not giving people enough of a chance and being more open, having a broader Broader spectrum of the kind of people you actually meet. What I mean by that, some people have this certain type, and they will only meet that type. Well, then that's why they're still single.、Mm-hmm. They're being too picky. You know, you got to try different people. People you wouldn't even think would be your soulmate, because one of the key signs that someone is your soulmate. And I have a soulmate checklist on my website, SaveYourLoveLife.com. You can also reach it at one eight 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 We Flirt. .com. So that's one eight 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 weflirt. .com or saveyourlovelife.com, and that's where my soulmate checklist is. One of the key signs someone is your soulmate is if they don't do for a living what you thought they would, and if they don't look at all like you thought they were going to. Quite often, that's what happens. Where they're just totally different than what you expected. Completely different. You know, I met David. I met my fiance David at a gas station. We were both getting gas. He was behind me, and I asked him to help me check my oil. And he was so nice that I said, "You know, you're being extra nice. So I'm giving him a compliment, which is part of flirting. You're being extra nice for someone who's just checking my oil." And he blurts back, "Anything for a beautiful woman like you."
<laughs> well, that started the spark, and I was like, ooh, you know, I was not looking that good today. that day. I was, like, wearing gardening clothes. I was trying to hide the fact that I was wearing one gray sock on a white sock. <laughs> it was hysterical. I had lipstick on. So but he could see who I really was, you know, and I thought, well, this is great. He either likes the way I look right now or he needs glasses. <laughs> but he doesn't ask for, ask my phone number, right? He doesn't ask for it. So I'm like, okay, hmm, I don't want to lead him, so I'll go, oh, hey, how about checking my transmission fluid, too? So he <laughs> checks my transmission, <laughs> no, next would have been the brake fluid, but uh, he checks my transmission fluid. Funny, I did need oil, I did need transmission fluid. And then he still doesn't ask for my phone number, so I give him the clue. Well, see you around. And, and he's like, well, how will I do that? See, because now it puts the ball in his court. Well, mm-hmm. I guess you're going to have to ask for my phone number. Now, Dan, I want to say it's really important what I did this then. I get, still kept putting the ball back in his court, and mm-hmm. that's part of the courting process. When I'm coaching my clients, especially the people who tend to be nice guys or nice girls but just not anybody's type, they're just too nice, one of the things they're doing is they are missing and not understanding the whole courtship process. There is a romantic courtship process that people respond to biologically. Mm-hmm. It's a it's you know subject for another show completely actually but uh, I will say this is that he needed to be put in a place to ask for my phone number rather than me saying oh well, I'll just give you my phone number. Why what would be wrong in that case? Perhaps I mean there are a lot of guys that are very shy they are afraid to ask for that. At that point, wouldn't it make sense to go ahead and say you know why don't we get together for coffee sometime and then see what? No 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 no. You still that's part of this whole courtship attraction. You know people say I'm not just I'm not attracted. It's because they're not using the courtship process properly and they don't understand it at all. Here's what I said to him. You guess you'll have to ask for my phone number. Well then he said, well can I have your phone number? And I'm saying yes. It follows along the courtship process. Mm-hmm. And so I can now give him my phone number. Then he said something surprising to me. He said, well, aren't you going to ask me for my phone number? Which is kind of cute. You know, it's yeah. really cute. It was really, I really appreciated that. And I said, well, you're going to call me, aren't you? He goes, yeah. I go, well, then I don't need your number. So he goes, oh, okay. Well, bye. You know, before, <laughs> before he left, before I left, actually, I asked him, well, are you single? And he was. So you got to always make sure that when you're flirting with somebody that they're single. I have that in my flirting code of honor. In fact, if anybody who's listening wants to get a copy of the flirter's code of honor, send me an email at lovinguniversity at c, as in Charlie, s as in Sam, dot com. So that's lovinguniversity, all spelled out, at cs.com. And I'll just put in flirter's code of honor in the subject header and I'll send that to you right away. But now, I know when you ask someone if they're single, I mean, there are certainly plenty of examples where people haven't been honest about that. How do you deal with that when you find that out uh, a little further down the road? Yeah, it's so funny. People always ask that. And that's why in the Flirter's Code of Honor, I am so adamant about having people ask if someone's single right from the very beginning because it tells the other person that that's what you're looking for. And you can start telling earlier on. If you just assume someone's single, you might not find out for six weeks or longer that they're you know, still in another relationship or they're married or something like that. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that you have to start somewhere by asking. And the funny thing about David was that he was wearing a wedding band still. And I didn't see it until I asked him, are you single? And he's like, uh, he had to come up with a good enough story in order for me to believe him. I mean, I, <laughs> I ended up believing him. 
And there's more to there's more to our story about how, you know, we ended up really connecting from mm-hmm. from even the phone number and all that kind of stuff. But um we've been together over a year now. Imagine that, meeting in a gas station. Oh, I guess it it really goes to show it it doesn't matter where you meet, it's just that you meet. And uh, I know when I was doing American Singles, people were asking me all kinds of questions regarding, you know, what should they do? And uh, I mean, I, I was almost kind of playing a role that you do, but in a much milder fashion and uh, trying to give the best answers I could. And I said, you know, the important thing is give yourself the opportunity to meet people in all ways, not just uh, American Singles at the time, but uh, uh, on the street, uh, through other services perhaps, uh, uh, through friends' recommendations, anything and everything. And I would assume that you you would encourage that as well. I agree. I mean, it's one of the things that I definitely encourage. Have you seen the movie Hitch? I think I did, but it's been quite a while. Well, it's where this guy coaches Simon, how to get the girl. I coach men and women just like he does. And the, the movie's fabulous. It's, you, you can actually learn a lot about dating and relating by watching the movie. And, of course, some things are just theatrical. But there's hidden in the movie some of the key components of that courtship thing that I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, a guy leaning forward to kiss the woman and then seeing, don't kiss her all the way. Just waiting until she get, meet, reaches up to meet your lips. See if she reaches forward. Then you know she's really ready to be kissed. See if there's a response. Exactly, and but there's this, this point. It's like if you're trying to like come on, it's, otherwise if you don't if you don't lean forward, as if you're going to kiss her, and if to see if she's going to lean forward to you, then you're missing out on a clue. Like, is she ready yet? Is she interested? Plus, you want her to be reaching for you. Mm-hmm. That's how there's a mutual spark. See, we have a lot more to do with the whole courtship process, and whether we feel physical attraction or not, we can actually manage that. Are uh, you saying that the courtship process should be, uh, the man should be the one that does the pursuing and not the woman? Women need to give a green light mm-hmm. and to give encouragement. But the man should really definitely be the pursuer because biologically, that's the way we get impacted. There's something mm-hmm. ingrained in us. Let me give you an example. I hear from so many women, they'll go on a date with a guy and they'll say, I don't know what happened, you know, but I offered to pay for for my meal, and he accepted. And now, I don't know, I just don't feel good about it. And I'll say, because you, you screwed up the courtship process. See, one of the ways a guy could tell if a woman was interested is if he offered to pay and she accepted that, hey, she must like me. Mm-hmm. Now, if a woman offers a man, to, you, know, you know, do you want me to pay for my meal, especially if he's interested in her, definitely pay for the meal and say, well, no, 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 I, I, I've invited you, and if you want to do something, you can take care of the tip. Mm-hmm. So that's the way you keep the courtship process biologically moving forward. Unfortunately, you know, some people make it mean about money, but it's it's about providing, really. It could be trading, <laughs> and it would be <laughs> the same thing. I'll trade you some clams, you know, oh, some bear skins. And it's just about providing, somehow about that providing, and it's just a signal Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, some guys sometimes get the idea that just because they've bought a meal, they can get a lot more happening later on. Yeah, I don't know. I think people are more sophisticated than that than we give them credit for, and people are smarter about that. Sure, certainly, there are some men you know, that are like that, but the first three dates are really important. The one has to be super casual, one has to be sort of semi-casual, and the other one has to be really like, go, go for it, impressor, and go to a really luxurious restaurant and get all dressed up so that she can look and feel all sexy. 
mm-hmm. and romantic. And then, you know, see, do you have enough compatibility to take it further? I actually heard from one of my clients that she was about to go on a third date. And this guy says, well, I'm, I've uh, reserved a hotel for our third date because I figure it's time for us to, you know, to do that. And, and she was like, well, what the heck do I tell him? I don't feel it for him yet like that. I mean, sometimes you don't until the sixth or seventh date. Right. And, you know, so she wasn't treating him like he was a bad guy. He wasn't a bad guy. He was very practical, very, you know, wasn't a terrible way. but Maybe a little too practical. <laughs> right, exactly, too practical. I said, now, why don't you tell him that you know, your sexuality and being romantic with someone just evolves out of being with them and getting to know them and getting to really know them and that you really appreciate the thought that that might be where you're both heading but you're not there quite yet and you'd enjoy going and having some fun with them and getting to know him before you're headed in that direction. You know, and that's what she did, and it was a no, no-brainer. But sometimes we're just at a loss for words, and that's where having a relationship coach comes in. Right, so you basically give people the extra assistance they need in getting through a difficult relationship issue. Exactly. You know, I just started a new client. After taking one of my classes, she said, I met 100 men after I took one of your classes. 100. I've ne- she's on 45. I've never had that happen. Now, she's a beautiful woman. She just needs to have, give herself permission. And that's what our class did. So now she's signed up for a year of coaching because she said, well, if one class can do that, what could a year of coaching do? And I've only been working with her for a week. We've got her Match.com ad up there and got it all honed and everything. And I help her like go through the profiles. And when she sends me one, I say, yeah, this is a good one. Go for it. Now, if she was originally going to have a date just um, meeting the guy for coffee on Sunday. And I said, that's kind of boring. You know, after so many coffee dates, it just gets boring. You want to do something really fun. Well, as it turned out, he ended up inviting her to a really fun fun event in Napa Valley. And I said, with my encouragement, she went to it. Like most people wouldn't do that. But she knows that she has me to call 24-7 practically if there's a situation, you know, like how do I handle this? For example, you know, they're going to this really wonderful banquet at a very fancy hotel for the first date. How much fun is that? And she gets to meet his friends and check him out, people who already know him. But then he says, well, I'd like you to, I'd like you to help me pick out one, a tie for the event. Can you meet me at my hotel room? And I said, under no circumstances will you do that. This is what you tell him. You just say, you know, I'm not comfortable. I'll meet you in the, with that, but I'll meet you in the lobby and I'll help you pick out a tie. And if he seems like disappointed, like, oh, you don't trust me, well, how could you trust somebody you haven't even met yet? So just saying, well, if I was your sister and, you know, and she was meeting a guy for the first time, would you honestly want her to meet someone in a hotel room? And, you know, then it puts it in perspective for people. As long as you give people a perspective and a reason, they're not going to take it personal. You just have to be smart these days. Oh, Absolutely. Yes, you know, so with my, she emailed me today and she left me a voicemail. She had the best time and she loved all the people that she met. So, you know, without that encouragement, she would have like waited for a Sunday coffee date and it would have been like, mm-hmm. okay, and they would have been interviewing each other and yawn, yawn. But like, I live life full out. One of the things I've committed this year to is to creating miracles in my clients' lives and mm-hmm. to help them do that, like in every area of their life. And while doing that, I create miracles in my own life. And for the skeptics who don't believe that's possible, just try me, you know, just <laughs> try me. Because, you know, like I, I committed to these miracles and the Today Show calls and wants me on, you know, hello. 
Well, that that's wonderful. Unfortunately, we're coming to the end of the show here, but I really feel that we're going to have to have you back on again. Before we go, tell the audience one more time uh, how they can reach you, and also if you've got a phone number that they can call besides just email. Oh, definitely. They can call me at my toll-free number, 888-424-0180. That's 888-424-0180. And that's a really good number to call. They can also call 1-888-WE-FLIRT, which is the same as one of my websites, 1-888-WE-FLIRT.com. And, of course, the other websites are flirtingexpert.com. That's where my flirting ebook is. So people who want to really like learn how to create flirt with conversations and how to extend a conversation, how to get the phone number, it's all in the simple ebook at flirtingexpert.com. Great. Well, thanks again for uh, joining us today. Really appreciate it. And I hope you'll be able to come back again someday. I would be delighted. Can't wait. Uh, you've been listening to Single Living, and it's produced by the Singles Podcasting Network. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please let us know. Our email address is comments at singlespodcastingnetwork. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day.